helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. It is so good to have you here with us this morning as we look at another interesting topic. Today's topic is letting go of bitterness. Many of us have bitterness in our lives as a result of events that have happened in the past. For example, the church leader you trusted betrayed your trust. The best friend you trusted with your life savings turned out to be a con artist. The person who who vowed to forsake all others and to love and cherish you ran off with your best friend. Or maybe you spent years waiting for that promotion you were promised at the beginning of your employment, but it was eventually given to your employer's niece who just joined the organization. Or maybe your bitterness is of a spiritual nature, where you feel let down by God because the promises you have held on to all your life have never materialized for you, while at the same time you see your ungodly relatives prospering. These are just some of the ways in which bitterness can enter our lives. In Genesis chapter 27, we have an example of a a young man who became bitter, and his name was Esau. You see, Esau had his identity stolen. This was the first example of identity theft in history, where Esau's identity was stolen by Jacob. And as a result, Jacob got all the promises of wealth and blessing. Jacob got all the promises of wealth and blessing that belonged to Esau. So I'll pick up here from verse 34 of Genesis 27 when Jacob had stolen Esau's blessing. He has been blessed by his father Isaac and he had left the room. And just after he left, Esau came in, now prepared to get the blessing from his father, not knowing that Jacob had already gotten the blessing. And his father, when his father realized that he was deceived by Jacob, the Bible tells us that Isaac trembled violently. Isaac went on to explain to Esau that he had no more blessing to give to him. And so at verse 34, we pick up the story from that point, uh, and it reads as follows. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live 
by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from around your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And so we see Esau realizing that his blessing has been stolen, that his father had been deceived into giving his blessing to his brother became bitter and vowed to himself that he was going to wait until his father passed away. And his father by that time was very old. And he said, as soon as my father passed away, I am going to kill my brother. It's interesting in this passage that Isaac had prophesied that Esau would live by the sword. And no sooner had he finished making the prophecy, Esau started to fulfill this prophecy. So you see, living by the sword means, it's a euphemism that means you will live by violence. And so immediately after the prophecy was made, the fulfillment had already started. Because Esau said, I am going to kill my brother. And I think that statement captures the level of hurt, the level, the high sense, the deep sense of betrayal and the anger that Esau was feeling. And so you may have had bitterness enter your life by some means, and this bitterness has left you hurting after many, many years. Maybe people in your life have said to you, why can't you just let it go and move on? And it's not that you haven't tried. Maybe you have tried to let it go before, but the pain is so deep. The sense of betrayal is so deep. The disappointment is so profound. The agony is so sharp that you just can't seem to let it go. It's it's like PTSD. Long after the event, long after the tragedy, people with PTSD are still living with the effects of what happened. German professor and psychiatrist Michael Linden said that there should be another category of mental illness for people who are carrying bitterness as a result of an event that had entered their lives. And he proposed that it should be called post-traumatic embitterment disorder. You see, uh, carrying bitterness has many of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. The main difference between people who are bitter as a result of an event that has entered their life and post-traumatic stress is that there is not the fear element. People who are suffering from what the German professor or psychiatrist Michael Linden wanted to label post-traumatic embitterment disorder is that there isn't the fear element. There isn't this anxiety when they think about the event. There is more a sense of hopelessness and bitterness. But many of the other symptoms are very similar. So let us look at some of the effects of 
embitterment disorder or carrying bitterness in your life. People who are bitter, who has this bitterness as a result of being treated unfairly or this sense of injustice that has happened to them, will experience sleeplessness, changes in appetite. They will sometimes lose their sex drive. There is often a change in their personality. So this person can go from being jovial and very positive in life to becoming cynical about life and to just have this gloom and doom over them every day as a result of the deep hurt that they're carrying. So people who are positive and jovial and fun to be around suddenly has this change in personality that make it seem as if there is this dark cloud that is hanging over their head. And another effect of bitterness is that it also affects relationships because what it does is that it drives positive people away. People who are positive at times become uh, tired of hearing the bitter person complain about their injustice and how they have been hurt by that person at work or by the spouse that the spouse that ran off with someone else. And so at first they might be empathetic and very caring and offer words of advice. But after hearing it for the 100th time, positive people begin to move away. So relationships are affected. And what ends up happening to these people who are bitter is that as they change their personality by becoming more negative because of the bitterness and the ruminations on the negative events that have happened in their in their lives is that they begin to attract negative people around them as well so the positive people leave and they begin to have this this set of negative friends who all have something to complain about. So it becomes like a club of complainers where they sit and they they they, they talk about the injustice that has happened and how terrible it was and how awful that their that spouse is that run off with their best friend and they talk about it day after day after day. It's like a pity party, you know. They get together and. They have this pity party about what's going on. And I'm not here trying to minimize anyone's pain because I think there is a there is a place for that. There is a place for a support group. There is a place to meet with people who have experienced similar hurt and to work through the pain. But this is something different. I'm talking about here a, a pity party that is for no other purpose than uh, feeling sorry for yourself. There is no moving on intended. It's just that we want to dwell on the past. So this is another effect of bitterness that it keep people who have experienced this sense of injustice, it keeps them trapped in the past and they become untrusting of others. They can't move on into healthy relationships and sometimes great opportunities for friendship and romance pass them by because they cannot trust. They become untrusting. And uh, another effect that is implied in, in what I have said before is that 
it consumes your time and energy. In other words, if you're always complaining and talking about that terrible employer or the awful spouse who ran away or the friend who con you out of a hundred thousand dollars because you trusted him with your money, it's consuming your time and energy and taking away from you doing productive things that could uh, help in your life. So it becomes like this yoke around your neck, this thing that weighs you down and keeps you from moving on. And it's interesting in the prophecy that Jacob made to Esau when Jacob uh, was asking, Is, isn't there another blessing left for me? And Esau said to him in, in the prophecy that his father gave, it says, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from around your neck. So there is this yoke that Esau had around his neck because of the bitterness that he would be carrying for, for Jacob. And that yoke, a yoke is, is a device that is put around the neck of animals to prevent them from roaming and from being free to do whatever they want to do. So it's as if Jacob is saying, this hurt that you're carrying my son is going to be a yoke around your neck. And it, it, as I said before, immediately after this prophecy was given, it started to be fulfilled because he said, as soon as my father is dead, I'm going to kill my brother. So it was, it, the yoke was already steering him in the direction towards violence, which fulfilled what Jacob said, what, what Isaac said, that Esau would live by the sword. And so those are the effects of bitterness. So the question is, why would anyone want to hold on to bitterness if there are these physiological uh, symptoms? And there are other research that shows that it affects your cardiovascular uh, health negatively. It gives you high blood pressure. It leads to to other health symptoms other serious health issues like even stroke and digestive issues. And so there are a lot of reasons to let go of bitterness. So why would someone hold on to bitterness? And I know people are not consciously saying, I want to hold on to this thing because they, it's making them miserable. But I think that there is something else. There is some benefit that they're getting psychologically. And this is what a psychologist Larry Crabb talks about in his book when he explained that there are secondary gain from certain negative behaviors that we that we uh, that we engage in, and so a person who is holding on to bitterness might have the secondary gain of feeling like they have a mission in life. I am not going to stop talking about this thing until this person gets the just get gets the, the gets what's coming to them. I'm not going to stop talking about it because it, it gives me the sense that I am doing something about it. So it gives the sense of, you know, I am involved in this mission, I have this mission and it's my life time mission, it's talking about how terrible this person is. So it gives like a, a false sense of purpose. 
But bitterness also gives this false sense of being in control. So you're, you're powerless to do anything about getting that job back. You're powerless to do anything about getting that spouse to, to get, to come back into your life. You're powerless to get any justice for, for the wrong charges that were filed against you. But holding on to that bitterness gives you this false sense of being in control because no one can take that away from me and I can continue to be bitter as long as I want. And so uh, people are holding on to bitterness because psychologically it gives them this false sense of being in control. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Letting Go of Bitterness. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. But another secondary gain from bitterness is that bitterness is an excuse not to face the the unknown of moving on. So you have lost that job. Or you have lost that spouse and you have lost that job and you are uh, just uh, engaging all your energy in complaining about how your life was ruined as a result of being treated unfairly in the workplace or how all your hopes that you had for a lifetime partner has been dashed by that spouse who ran off with someone else. And so as long as you are stuck there in this place of control of of complaining and wallowing in self-pity it actually gives you this freedom from facing the the unknown of moving on you see moving on involves risk moving on to another another partner in life loving again again uh, involves risk after having your heart broken. Moving on into another job after being unfairly treated by the past employer involves taking risk because it could happen again. So staying in this place of perpetual complaint is a way of saying I am protected from ever having to go through that again. And of course, I'm not saying here that this is a conscious thing. If you, if you should ask people who are stuck in this state of bitterness for years and is complaining perpetually, if you should ask them, do you want to move on? Of course, they will say, yes, I want to move on. If you'd ask them, do you want to love again? Many of them will say, yes, I want to find find the right partner. So what I am talking about here is more of a subconscious uh, mechanism 
that is serving the purpose of protecting them from facing the, the, the unknown of the future. And so it's more comfortable to continue to blame others. It's more comfortable to continue to stay in that place of complaining than to move on and to run the risk of being hurt Again, and so these fears are, are are irrational fears because just because you are hurt by an unscrupulous boss doesn't mean that everyone in the world will treat you that way. Just because you were deceived by a selfish lover who run off with your best friend doesn't mean that every person in the world will treat you will deceive you and break your heart. So these are subconscious ways in which we try to protect ourselves. So bitterness serves that function of of making us have this false sense of protection from the, 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 the unknowns that we fear. And then another reason, another secondary gain of bitterness is that bitterness helps us to avoid personal responsibility. As long as we can blame someone else for what has happened in our life, for the failures that have happened in our, in our life, then we do not take personal responsibility. We see in the story of Esau and Jacob that Esau blamed Jacob. And Esau said earlier on in the passage that Jacob stole my birthright. He has deceived me again. He stole my birthright and now he has stole my blessing. What Esau forgot to say is I I sold my birthright to him. I have a responsibility in what I did earlier by selling my birthright to my brother for for a bowl of porridge. And so so sometimes many of us uh for for the sake of pleasure and this sense of security, do not use wisdom in the decision that we make. Maybe there were others in your life that were trying to tell you that maybe there was something about this person that was suspicious, the person that you gave this $100,000 to, that there was something suspicious about them. But because you were in such a close friendship, you did not uh, listen to wisdom. Or maybe because you were so much in love, you threw caution to the wind to the wind, and you overlook a lot of the signs that were screaming you in the face. The, the wisest man, Solomon, said that wisdom screams in the, in, in, in the marketplace and in the city squares. She lifts up her voice. So in other words, what he's saying is that wisdom is often not hard to find. It is there, and sometimes because of our passion for someone else or our great desire for success. We throw caution to the wind. We do not listen to the voice of wisdom and we make mistakes. And so we need to take personal responsibilities for what what has entered in our life. And so secondary gain, the secondary game of avoiding personal responsibility is one of the reasons we hold on to bitterness. So in the in the in the prophecy that Isaac made over Esau, he said, "Your brother will rule over you." When we are holding on 
to bitterness. We're actually letting that other person rule over us. Like that yoke that is that that is far that Isaac said is around Esau's neck. That person that we are being bitter uh, over or, or holding bitterness against, it, it's is actually ruling us. They're controlling our emotions. They're affecting our sleep. They're preventing us from falling in love again or from investing, trusting someone else with investments. And so they are, in fact, ruling and controlling our life. And so, and so this prophecy is very profound because there are a lot of psychological sound principle that is in it. So letting go of bitterness, it's, it's the next heading here that I want to talk about. So to let go of bitterness, we need to come to this place of acceptance. Acceptance is this place where you said, you know what, this terrible thing have entered in my life and I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to keep fighting against it. I am going to accept it. Carl Jung uh, a famous psychologist, psychologist said that what we resist persists. As long as you keep fighting against the ugliness that has entered your life, the awful things that has entered your life, the injustices and the betrayal, it persists because you will ever be stuck in your pain. And accepting is not the same as condoning. It's not saying that you're condoning what the person did. You're saying, I am accepting this. I'm not going to push against it anymore. It has happened. I am accepting it. And by accepting it, we are setting up ourselves now to come to that next place where we can work towards emotional healing. As long as we are stuck in this place where we are fighting against it and we are so bitter and we are complaining all the time and, and, and we are not accepting the reality that this is my new reality, how can I accept it and move on. We cannot heal. And so we need to first accept, then we come to this place now where we can start working on emotional healing. It can be journaling, writing a letter to the person who have betrayed you. It, it, could, it could be uh, joining a support group of people who, uh, who have gone through a similar thing, who is working towards healing. Emotional healing can involve spiritual visualization, visualization, where you invite Jesus to go to that place of pain in where you were hurt. And then it, it takes us to this place after we're emotionally healed where we can pray to God and forgive the person who hurt us. We see that Esau came to this place of forgiveness because we are told in Genesis chapter 33 that when the brothers met again after 20 years and Jacob was trembling in his boots because he saw 400 men coming towards him, Esau and 400 men coming towards him and he was there with his wives and children and his livestock that he was trembling in his boots. But the Bible tells us that Esau in Genesis 33 verse 1 to 6 we have this story and we're told that Esau 
ran to meet Jacob and they hugged each other and they wept. So there we have the fulfillment of the rest of the prophecy that Isaac made because Isaac said, but when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from around your neck. So Esau eventually got to this place where he threw the yoke of bitterness from off his neck and he got to this place of freedom and he became successful. And how we know that is from verse 9 when Isaac was trying to to, to buy Esau's forgiveness by giving him all of this flock and livestock because he, Jacob was very wealthy. And he's saying, take these this flocks and herds. And Esau is saying, no, I have enough. All, I have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. So Esau had thrown away the yoke of, of bitterness and he has in fact become wealthy. And so it's as if his father was saying, as long as you have that yoke around your neck, you will not be able to be prosperous. But he was able to throw away that yoke. So we have quickly come to the end of today's podcast. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to learn more about forgiveness, you can listen to our YouTube podcast podcast on forgiveness. What does it really mean? So I want to also remind you that we are not for a profit organization that counts on your support to stay on the air. And so you can support by going to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling to elsministry.com. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Thank you.